and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm Tyler Smith. I'm David Back. And thank you for listening, David. Yes. How you doing? I'm doing really well. Okay. Um, Glad to hear it. Because I like, I like when something is a pleasant surprise. Okay. Um, there's been there was a big surprise in recent weeks in the world of movies. Mm-hmm. It's called Ten Cloverfield Lane. Indeed. Um, and it's pleasant for me for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, I am reading enough good things about it that I want to go see. I want to try and go see it this weekend. The yeah. weekend's pretty busy, but um, I actually, it's a you know, it's a big like studio release. Yeah, that I actually want to go see. Yeah, um, so I'm excited about that. But I'm also so grateful for the way it happened because I don't I feel, totally know. I mean, we know we have met and have eaten with. Dan Trachtenberg. Years, years. Years ago. Yes, before you know. he was Dan Trachtenberg. Yeah, he was <laughs> just the guy from the Totally Rad show. Right, which I you don't even really know what that is. Oh, okay. um, um, was that on G4? I don't know, but I'm going to say yes. Okay. Just a hunch. Is G4, does G4 still exist? You are asking the wrong person. Yeah, I've, ne- I've never watched it in my life. Um, it's, the vid- it's a video game. Sure. It's a TV network about video games. Anyway. I, if I was into video games, I'd watch it all day. Except, no, you wouldn't because you'd be using the same device to play video games. Right? I could have multiple screens. I'd yeah. be like a like one of those. Uh, like Lent- I'd be like an action movie nerd. Oh. You know, where I've got multiple screens and I'm in like a Hawaiian shirt. Um, I don't know what that is a reference to. Uh, various uh, various uh, nerds in action movies who are like drinking Jolt Cola and. Oh, uh, I see what you mean. You know. I thought you meant like a nerd. Someone who's nerdy about action movies. You got me there. That's true. But uh, you mean, I see what you mean. Yeah, like like, like uh, Jack Black and Jamie Kennedy in sure. Enemy of the State. No question about it. Um, how great was that Jack Black joke with the Oscars? I um, did enjoy it, yes. I laughed so hard. Anyway, that's not, okay. No, what, what, what happened was that, I mean, I think because I followed Dan Trachtenberg on Instagram, I knew he was directing a movie for Bad Robot and it was yeah. called Valencia, but that's all I knew. Um... And then all of a sudden they announce that like this trailer for 10 Cloverfield Lane shows up and it's like, and oh yeah, like I didn't really sink into me how soon after the trailer first showed up Mm -hmm. the movie was coming out. Yeah. I was, I was like, and and that's what I'm so grateful for because this is the kind of movie it appeals to people, the the kind of, the kind of people, many of whom listen to this podcast, people I have a great deal of affection for, um, the, the San Diego Comic-Con types. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, 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 I love these people and in many ways I am one of them, but also they can kill my excitement for a movie hmm. by, you know, it, because if this were a normal, like big blockbuster type of thing, it would have, um, it would have been a year yeah. of hype and picking apart, like what's in the new trailer and like what footage, what can we like find out about yeah. these you know, like the Captain America Civil War just trailer that just came out. Today. Yeah, like it totally ruins it. Like that, I try to avoid it so it has less of an effect, but it still bothers me. And so I felt so grateful to look up and realize Ten Cloverfield Lane that came out. It's coming out this yeah. this weekend. I guess it's already out. Um, yeah, maybe I'll go. And, maybe I'll go see it after we're done tonight. Um, that sounds fun. Uh, if I didn't have to get up in the morning, I'd go with you. Um, I just I uh, I feel like. I'm really excited. Like, I feel like the fact that the movie is apparently good and that yeah. I want to see it is like a bonus. But the main thing I'm excited for is that I didn't have to suffer through 
a year of the um, extraneous uh, ancillary bullshit that we have to suffer through with every other like uh, big budget genre ten pole movie. And I think the I think the the allure of Ten Cloverfield Lane is that there's a mysterious element to it of, I don't know what's going on here. This seems very strange and I'm, I'm excited as I don't, I can't tell if John Goodman is a good guy or a bad guy. I don't know what's going on here. It just, it gets you curious more than anything else. And then it just, and rather than that's the thing, if you, if you're curious about something for 10 months, I would say your curiosity starts to wane a bit. Um, especially if the mystery itself, if they, if everything they reveal just ruins it a little bit more. Whereas mm-hmm. this it's, what do you think of this? Pretty curious, huh? Two weeks. Yeah. You only have to wait two weeks for this thing. Yeah. 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 I, I absolutely know what you mean. And when I saw that, it, I think I only realized a few days ago that it was coming out this weekend. And I thought I didn't like, know, until I started, until I started to see reviews yesterday, I was like, yeah. Oh, that's this weekend. Yeah. I'm, I was very excited. Yeah. So yeah. something to carry me over until Batman V Superman. Didn't that come out already? No. When does that, at the end of the month. When does that come out and then go away? <laughs> At the end of the month. <laughs> um, yeah. And I would, that one I wasn't excited for. Yeah. Oh, I'm not. Because yeah, I didn't I. like uh, Man of Steel. Um, did you have something that you also want to talk about at the top? Because we only went five minutes here. Well, it's odd that you mentioned that, you, you know, you're talking about trailers and stuff. So we have talked a lot on the show about nostalgia and it being a thing that it, it means more it probably I'm more prone to it than you, but at the same time, I don't, I tend not to respond to a movie that is banking on my nostalgia. Yeah. It's and not, only that. Cause to, to be clear, it's not that I'm not prone to nostalgia. It's that I actively fight myself against. Okay. It. <laughs> Which is probably a good thing because you, at that point, what you're doing is you're fighting exactly what studios are counting on, yeah. um, to sell I certain think- things. I mean, I understand nostalgia, but I also think it is poisonous to critical thinking. Sure. Absolutely. For example, <laughs> what I'm about to say, uh, uh, I'm so ashamed of myself listeners. I, you know, in the spirit of accountability and the spirit of, of confession. Uh, so this trailer has been, been watching out. fuller house. Oh, good God. No, <laughs> never mind. I guess things could be worse. I did, um, for, for Hey, Watch This, I did watch the first one. How was it? It was dreadful. Of course it was. Yeah. How could it not be? Because it um, was never funny to begin with. Full, full so I guess yeah. th- this is what I said about Fuller House. If you want a show that is like Full House, congratulations. That's what you got. Yeah. It's terrible. Just like Full House was terrible. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Except from what I hear now, it's terrible and self-aware. Not self-aware enough to not be terrible, <laughs> right. um, which I would say is the best kind of self-aware. Um, no, here's the situation. Um, I did not see that first. Uh, he didn't direct it, but that Michael Bay uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Oh, okay. um, it didn't Neither look that, it didn't look that good to me. Um, but I was I, I watched the trailer for the new one against my better judgment. And this is the one where there's a lot of fan service. You've got your Casey Jones in there. You've got your, I don't know if you're a, if you're a TMNT fan, like, did you watch it when you were a kid? Well, so if I say Casey a, Jones, you know who that is. Yeah. It's, uh, Elias, Elias Cotillas. That's it. Um, but yeah, no, I remember, I vaguely remember that's the thing about things that people our age are nostalgic about. It's like, I watched them just as much as the other people did. I just mm-hmm. don't 
remember. Like, I don't have room in my brain. I have seen so many episodes of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah. But today, I couldn't tell you the butler's name. Like, I couldn't, yeah. like, I, I don't remember that stuff. I have a good memory That's for names. butler's name, I realize, is a specific reference to this week's best show. Oh, okay. uh, That's why that was in my brain. Okay. So if anyone listens to the best show in this uh I wasn't ripping them off. It, like it you're feeling, you were feeling nostalgic for best show this week because I listened to it this morning. Oh, That's okay. as far back as my nostalgia goes. <laughs> the drive to work this morning, um, listening to Julie Klausner on the best show. So the, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, it's about Fresh Prince. That's the one. So no, it's about, about Carlson. Is that a character from Fresh Prince? Carlton. Carlton. Pardon me. Yes. Um, so. Yeah, so you know, the Casey Jones is in there and uh you see like the turtle van that shoots literally it's like the toy. It shoots out like sewer pizzas. Uh, oh. No, oh, I guess that shot out pizzas. This one shoots out uh, I was just ma- manhole covers. Maybe that one shot out manhole covers. Maybe. I think pizza pizza is more decorative. Be shooting out pizzas though. They want to keep the pizzas. They they've had their fill. And there's like, what are we going to do with all this spare pizza? Oh, I know. Let's let's take let's go after the Rat King or whatever. Um, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Anyway, okay. the reason that I watched this trailer and then immediately watched it again and then again, not in its entirety, I just skipped to a certain point. I'm 34 fucking years old, and yet. You show me Bebop and Rocksteady, <laughs> and I will turn into a seven-year-old kid who can, who's so excited. And I I hate this. I hate this about myself. I'm probably not not probably. I'm not going to see this film. Right. You already saw what you wanted. To I see. saw what I wanted to see. But if if anything was going to get me to see that movie, it's the depictions of Bebop and Rocksteady. Um, I don't know. I can't even explain it. I feel so genuinely ashamed of myself. I feel like I can't even record now. You know, <laughs> I need to like take a couple weeks off to gather my thoughts. But you know what? All I'm going to do with those two weeks is watch the trailer some more. Yeah. Um, that's probably not true. I'm trying to think what would be my thing. And I can't. And that, and be, like TMNT isn't even really my thing that much. It's more just. I was and like, it. like I couldn't remember. You know, there was so the, obviously there were the live action movies, but there was also like a feature length, like uh, video movie. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't in theaters, but I think they aired it. Probably they might have aired it on TV and then probably broke it up and aired it as three it's or four. Very possible, yes. Of, uh, in syndication or whatever. But I had the trading cards from that. Yeah, and I had them all like. I literally collected them in order, like in the order of the movie, like stills from the movie and lines from the movie, and I had mm. them in a book. I was super into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, actually. And I, everybody our age was, like yourself, I can't really remember any episodes. I just, I have a good memory for names and characters and that sort of thing. You were Baxter? Baxter Stockman? Yeah. Well, here's the thing, David. Is he in the trailer for? He is, but not the one from the cartoon, the one from the comic book. Because in the comic book, he's black. Uh-huh. And he's primarily a scientist. In this, he is played by Tyler Perry. So he is in. Really? And then, then they just released a new trailer. Krang. How much fucking shit are they? I'm sorry for swearing so much. How much stuff are they, are they shoving into this thing? Like, that's too much fan service. Yeah, well, that's, uh, that's, if you've read about who all is showing up in Batman v Superman, like, Ugh. it's 
when I, I there was an entertainment weekly thing and it had a whole sidebar of like here's who's gonna be in, like here's who we're gonna catch glimpses of the movie and i'm like where are they finding time for the movie yeah it just exactly don't you have a story to tell come on and so that's the thing um the, the and that's the thing the the same instinct that causes them to shove all these people yep. in batman v superman uh that i condemn all day long although i guess i do condemn it when they shove so many things into this new teenage mutant ninja Turtles. it really was it really did for me come down to bebop and rocksteady and i think what it might be is that in the second live action teenage mutant ninja turtles they had toka and razar uh clearly they wanted bebop and rocksteady but i don't think uh i don't think they like got the rights to them or something like that and so they just put out these other things and i remember as a kid being like come on you know what we want and you're not giving it to us and so it almost it almost feels like ah, i finally get this payoff now that i don't care about it and i and i i don't know it's the kid, it, it has awakened the, the kid in me in a way that I am not comfortable with. Wasn't there, I'm not sure how much 30 Rock you watched near the end, but wasn't there a I late... I watched all of it. Okay. Wasn't there a time when she, like, she was yelling at the writers, no one remembers Krang, no more jokes about Krang. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that wasn't 30 Rock, but I feel like, I feel like it was 30 that Rock. That seems like a 30 Rock, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, again, listeners clarify uh, that memory for yeah. me, because I feel like... Liz Lemon yelling about a crane is something that exists that's, in my mind. That's about right. <laughs> um, and I just feel, yeah. And I guess I just wanted to express that because I don't, I don't like to, I will indulge in nostalgia like online where I'll just see, uh, and maybe that's what this is. I'll just look at like old toys that I owned and be like, Oh wow. It's, it's weird to think that such a thing was so important to me at the time. Um, but I try to keep it out of my movie thoughts. And, uh, this one, for whatever reason, I couldn't. It might. It's probably not going to be enough to compel me to go see the movie. Right. But it is. It a button was pushed inside of me that caused me to watch that trailer a few times and just allow myself to be happy about it, even though I know I'm being pandered to. Yeah. Um. And it's just. Uh, and I guess more than anything, it's just like, yeah, pandering does feel pretty good. Damn it. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. So I just thought I'd express that because uh, nostalgia is the thing we talk about, and people our age tend to be very nostalgia and is nostalgic. And one thing that's interesting to me is when you realize like how big, how they're still they're still doing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and then but you and I were like kids. We were the people that when it became a cartoon and a toy line, it was aimed at us first before uh-huh. anybody else. Okay. So like we were around. What does that mean? It means like uh, we were the first ones. You know, it's like uh, it's like when I own uh, my own my Super Nintendo. It's uh, or, and I owned a Nintendo before that. There are people that own mold. They're like kids these days, quote unquote. Um, own a lot of thi- a lot of generations out, and I just say like I actually remember when we first bought a Nintendo, the first one, and they're mystified. Like I, I bought some super Nintendo games at a, uh, at a video game store uh-huh. and they said, what are these for a Nintendo 64? And I said, older than that, my friend. <laughs> and he goes, I said, super Nintendo he goes, Oh wow. You still have it. Like, like as a, like something from Indiana Jones or something. And, uh, so I don't know, just when you realize that these things that are almost, cu- they're almost pop culture relics and you and I are now old enough to have been around yeah when they were first marketed 
And that's why I say pop culture. Yeah, relics. I'm not sure what that gets. I feel like that that plus two ninety five will get you a cup of coffee. It's more just uh, I, maybe it's just because I I just turned thirty four. Not that that age matters more than thirty three or less than thirty five, but um, it's more just I tend to use pop culture icons, whether it be a movie or TV show, whatever it is, as like a signifier of cer- a certain time, either in my life or just as a signifier of pop culture in general. And to realize that, you know, how many, how many Batman movies are we out? And you and I were around for the first one and old enough to have Wait, wanted to first, see it. The first Batman in 89. But that's not the, the 60s Batman was the first movie. Yeah, but that was a function of the TV show. Okay. Whereas this was not, there was no TV show with, with I feel Michael like you're Keaton. talking yourself into being first. Uh, hell yeah. Damn right. But it's not, you weren't. As far there as were Batman, Batman movies, then there were Batman as, serials in like movie as far theaters. As standalone Batman movies that were not inspired by a TV show or a serial. Although I guess I guess those I guess those were like the afternoon things, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess that counts. I guess I don't know. They didn't I, make I the money. I had a um, recent back in my day feeling okay. just the other night. I was at a, a bookstore slash used record store mm-hmm. and i realized that now that like vinyl is like a commodity yeah. again like used vinyl is so much more like I, I was like i would never pay this much for these because i remember buying like perfectly good like clash and talking heads records for like three yeah. bucks when i was in high school because like they're used and no one needed them but now like a used clash record is a commodity and it's like 10 15 bucks and it's used yeah, I owned a lot of those uh, Riddler figures on my wall. I bought them for $5 at the time and uh-huh. then rebought them 20 years later for $25. And I just thinking like, oh, this is bullshit. Yeah. Like that's, you know, I guess that you could say that's inflation, but it's also the the collector's mindset. Um as we as we're getting older, David, and yeah. uh I guess that's just kind of what I'm what I'm thinking about right now when I think of, you know, maybe Sorry, to go back to like the Batman thing, maybe what I'm thinking of is more so than Superman. Like the Batman, the the Tim Burton Batman is the one that sort of kicked off the idea of superhero movies as a bankable thing. When you see that they followed up Batman Returns shortly thereafter, then they tried to replicate it with Dick Tracy, Darkman, The Rocketeer, okay. uh, The Phantom, uh, The Shadow, and they tried to do all that stuff. And then okay. it kind of, then they went know. away for a while. Yeah, and then they came I, I back. Don't know, I don't know. I, I can't. I don't want to get into it because this isn't what our episode's about. But mm. I don't necessarily agree with your premise. Mm. You're incorrect. I think it just. I agree I, with my I, premise. I think what you're displaying here is what's known as recency bias. Sure. You're thinking of it as uh, like the first wave because it's the first one that you remember. Mm-hmm. But like you just said, there were Superman movies before. There were superheroes. Were there other like? When I, when I look back, whether it be in my lifetime or, or otherwise, when I look back at like the first Superman movie and then the movies that it spawned, it spawned more Superman movies, but looking back at superhero movies, like in Superman movies, pardon me, um, when I look at uh, movies from the 80s, I don't, see, I don't see them dipping into other franchises, other comic book franchises looking for what they can try to do. Like, oh, let's try and make a, a Spider-Man movie. Let's try and make a Batman movie at the at the budget level of the Richard Donner Superman. 
It right. seemed to just be. There was a Captain America movie in 1990. Uh, oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, I thought for some reason I thought it was before Batman. Oh, I guess you're proving your point. Well, it's it, I don't know. It's a uh, and it's a weird point to prove because you know Batman has been around for a long time, but and I guess I'm thinking mostly in terms of box office, which I don't like doing either. So I'm sorry. I completely I've completely fucking derailed us with all this bebop and rock steady stuff. Damn it, Michael Bay. This has been a fun conversation, though. Has it? But, I um, feel like the listeners are angry at me. Who brought us this conversation? <laughs> Well, this conversation was proudly brought to you by Mubi, which is a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection, a hand-dipped selection. That's from <laughs> that's from the Movie Journal. Sorry, oh, everybody. Right. Uh, of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $4.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. Now, Hong Kong director Stephen Chow's The Mermaid, I don't know if you've been reading about this, it's been shattering box office records, and I don't know if it's ever going to come here. I've been reading that, like, it's this huge movie that we might never get a chance to see, except maybe, like, on video and stuff like that, but not in theaters, which I find fascinating. But anyway, so it's shattering box office records. So Mubi is featuring the film that first introduced Stephen Chow to English-speaking audiences, Shaolin Soccer, which I believe I watched with you. Is that right? Yeah, Um, I mean, that... We would have lived together when I saw it, so that tracks. Yeah, um, I, I think yeah. that's the the situation. And as I was looking at, you know, movie sends us like the description of what they want us to to push, and and I feel bad because I didn't want to just repeat what they said verbatim, but I thought it was a good description, which is it's as close as you can get to like a a, a real life cartoon. It's re- yeah. it's well, it's it, ridiculous it, it, in like the best possible way. It was as close as you can get to a real life cartoon until a year or two later when he made Kung Fu Hustle, <laughs> which is. Which I still have never so, seen. So good, you would, yeah. you would love it. I've, it's I've, so yeah. so great. Yeah, Shaolin Soccer. And Shaolin I, Soccer is yeah, it's a precursor of that. I think I I feel I feel like Shaolin Soccer. When I think back on it, I just think of it being just this crazy manic uh, sort of film, uh, and just having an energy where it's like we're going to do whatever we want. Uh, whatever I think of is what we're going to make, um, and it's something that I kind of respond to. And when I hear that uh, the mermaid. Was, it was described as an eco rom com. I was just like, "What? What is that? Is this like? Is this like Splash?" Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited. I hope I hope we're able to see the Mermaid. But in the meantime, you can see Shaolin Soccer at Mubi right now, uh, and you can see it for free. Here's how: There's a special offer for you, the listener of Battleship Pretension. You can try Mubi free for one month. You can go to Mubi.com, M-U-B-I.com slash Battleship to get your free month. And uh, you can also, while you're, the, the, the money you're um, not spending on, on Mubi uh, exactly. for a month can go toward these uh, heavily discounted um, earbuds. Mm-hmm. And not, not heavily discounted because they're on clearance or something, yeah. but it's because you know us and you like us and you listen to us. You get a discount on earbuds at tweakedaudio.com, which is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. Uh, they look great and they sound great. And we use them each and every day of the week. And, um, you can, I guess that's, that's, I don't always use them on weekends. It depends on my, what my schedule is like, mm-hmm. you know, um, anyway, sometimes you like to play your music for everyone to hear. <laughs> that's one thing I know about you. Yeah, that's me. Um, well, certainly not after 9 p.m. 
Um, <sighs> go to tweakedaudio.com, uh, and if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get uh, one third off their already low, low price and no shipping charges. That's tweakedaudio.com, offer code pretension. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. Now you are just like last week. You're going to lead the charge here. Okay. This is a this is a uh, uh, this is a topic that was your idea. Yeah, and it's been um, on the table for a while. I think. Well, I, I'm not sure when you first thought of it, but it came up again somewhat recently in last fall um, when I was talking about the movie Legend mm-hmm. and um, the fact that you at that point you hadn't seen the movie. I don't know if you've seen it. Now. I have. Yes. Okay. At that point, you hadn't seen the movie, and you. Um, before you knew anything about, about it, you were like, why is it called that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and what I talked about, the idea that the movie is in, intentionally playing with the idea that you're watching a blend between what might've really happened and the version of the story that might've been told, you know, uh, in a pub, you know, three years after the fact by right. a friend of a friend of a friend of someone who was there, the, the kind of way this like grows in, in legend and um, uh, I don't know, having seen the movie, if you agree with that. But at the time, you liked that because it was like, yeah. oh, the movie is the title is giving you an, a hint as to how best to watch the movie. I don't think the movie necessarily supports that. I think it's sorry. I think it's trying to do that. I don't think the movie's that good. Um, I think it it has its moments, but uh, but I like the the idea behind it absolutely, um, and. Yeah, and that there's just something really interesting to me about movie titles, and I wonder if maybe we don't put enough emphasis on them. You know, I I, I wonder if if movie people, including myself, will sometimes just treat the title as like, well, we got to call it something, got to put something, you know, on the poster, uh, as opposed to, you know, the 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 pro- product sounds wrong just the piece the the overall piece of art it does not every aspect of it including the title is an extension uh, and i recognize that you know studios get involved when it comes to titling and that kind of thing so that's not you know helpful but um but let's go ahead and and assume that the filmmaker is the one deciding the title uh that that is that is also a part of a part of the work um, to the point where, you know, you can go into a movie and call it some, you know, they could have called legend any number of other things, you know, Mm -hmm. the Cray brothers or whatever. Um, Twin dragons. That's with, that's with uh, Jackie Chan. Um, Double dragon, double dragon. Absolutely. Um, It's not, it's not good. It's no super Mario brothers. I'll tell you that right now. Um, I play a lot of Double Dragon 2 on my classic Nintendo. Hmm. 
I went to a local bowling alley and played the first one. Okay. In the arcade. At one point, you fight in a helicopter, and when you beat the guy, you can you punch him and falls out of the helicopter. Oh, it's pretty cool. Nice. Who's piloting that helicopter? I don't know. Friend or foe? You don't see. Oh, all right. So we just hopped this helicopter. Someone who is focused on their job because they don't <laughs> exactly like the helicopter stays steady. Yeah. If it's a foe, you know what? I kind of admire him. It's just like, keep your eye on the prize there, bud, uh, buddy. Yeah. Um, so they could have called legend anything and it would have informed the way you look at the film by calling it legend. It is letting you know any number of things, but one is that like, at the very least, the idea of man, this guy, these guys are a, are a legend, you know. Yeah. Um, and so it, immediately you walk into it thinking, okay, I guess I need to uh, I need to ascribe importance to what they are doing. That I am watching a legend in the making. If it were called anything else, if it were called something a bit more innocuous, like the Cray Brothers, mm-hmm. um, then you'd be like, all right, here's just a story of uh, these two guys, and that's it. Um, and I have, and I, so I put together a list of, of movie titles. And of course there are a million that, uh, that didn't jump out at me. This is just kind of from a, a larger list of, of movies that I like whose titles I think are interesting. And this is not merely a list of titles that I think help us to inform, help inform us about how we should look at the movie itself. Um, some of them are just titles that I think are really cool. Um, mm-hmm. and I think, I mean, it is, it is kind of the first aside from, yeah, more so even than the poster, the title is the, it's the thing you're going to, it's the shorthand of the film. It is the first impression you're going to get of the film for the most part. Yeah. Um, and so it needs to be important and it needs to, in a way, represent the film. And there are movies that I think I'm trying to think of, of movies that have bad titles or at least boring titles that could be better. Um, oh, well, we talked another movie. One of my top 10 from last year is the diary. I already forget. Diary of a teenage girl. Diary of a teenage girl. And yeah. Like that is, it's one of my favorite movies of the year. It is a lame, boring title. Yeah. Because I can't, it's too bland. Yeah. It sounds like such a forgettable, like teeny bopper kind of thing. Like, you know, sisterhood of the traveling pants, which has a much more right. notable title. It should be confessions noted, of a shopaholic. Absolutely. I do remember uh, that. Isla Fisher? Yes, that's right. Um, So, and I normally, I like that old time, like sort of the blank of the blank. Like I like that kind of old timiness, like, um, the last of the Mohicans. That's a good title. The lost skeleton of Cadaver. (laughs) That's a good title. The Island of Dr. Moreau. Yeah. I guess that's a book, but, uh, yeah. And then not just of the, but like, the saddest music in the world. That's mm-hmm. a great title because it feels like it's yeah. a guy. Madden is good at naming his movies brand upon the brain. Yeah. Cowards bend the knee. <laughs> um, he's really good at, at, because he like there are modern movies that have titles that could be old timey titles. No, yeah, absolutely. No question about it. Um, um, but yeah, the saddest music in the world is so evocative. And that's what I look for, I guess. Yeah. But, um, I did write down evocative, uh, here because I, and I like a title that doesn't eat that, you don't know what has to do with the movie and then you watch the movie and it still doesn't necessarily, I guess legend is kind of like that. It doesn't necessarily, mm-hmm. it's not like you immediately go like, Oh, so that's what the title is. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it helps you think about the movie. I don't know. Like, yeah. Like Chinatown. Uh, Chinatown's a great example. Something. Yeah. That's something I was trying to think of like a, that's named after a place. Uh, yeah, that's a great one. Um, I remember the, the first time I remember like, this is when I was, IMDb was still pretty young and I saw 
oh, these filmmakers that I like are working on a movie uh, that has a really weird title and that makes me more excited for it. Uh, it's called Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was one that uh, I was excited because I was like, can't believe they're getting to make a movie called this crazy thing. And this no. is, that's even weirder than the Hudsucker proxy, which is also, <laughs> yeah. also a weird title. <laughs> and when you, and, and on top of everything else, if you are a movie fan, you know, you and I were fairly young when a oh brother, where art thou? Comes right. out. I didn't know the we didn't know about Sullivan's yeah. travels. And if you're a movie fan and you see that they're actually making a movie called this, Oh my gosh, how exciting. What could it be? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, uh, so you mentioned like something that's a, that's like a place to me, Chinatown and Fargo, are movies that are titled strangely, yeah, or at least when I first saw them. This more than I did. Oh, I'm sorry. You going? No, no. Why, why would you say you're sorry? I don't know. I just I don't, I don't want you to thing. feel bad. No, uh, well, I knew going in. You thought about it more than I did because you've been thinking about this episode for a, a Every while. Every single day for years. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah Fargo is a great one, and it's f- more so even than Chinatown. Fargo fascinates me as a title because Chinatown. Once the character starts saying it, you can't not hear it. And I mean, of course, it's this, it's this iconic line at, at the very end of the film. Yeah. And, you know, and, it's, right. and it represents, you know, the past, it represents regret, it rep- any number of things. Fargo, so little of the film takes place there. I don't think they ever actually say it, maybe once or twice. I'm pretty sure the only thing that happens in Fargo is the initial deal between William H. Macy and... Steve Buscemi and Peter Stormare. I feel like that that meeting where I think they pick up the car. Uh-huh. I think that happens in Fargo. I think everything else is Brainerd or Minneapolis or Minneapolis. Yeah. So like, what is it? I mean, that's an important meeting. Don't get me wrong. But why on earth would you name that movie Fargo? And I don't mean that in a negative way. It's one of the things that makes that fascinates me about the film. Everything about that film seems counterintuitive. Yeah. Including the name. Yeah. You know. Do you do you like do you have any thoughts on it? Because like I that's, guess just that it starts there. Yeah, yeah. like maybe that's um, in terms of uh, what's William H Macy's character's name? Jerry Lundegaard. Uh, so in terms of Jerry's path, Fargo represents the point of no return. Yeah, that's true. So maybe that's that's what it is. That's like, true. Once he did that, once he made that deal and dropped off the car, yeah, uh, the fates of all the people who died in the movie were sealed. Yeah, and including his own, he doesn't die. But spoilers for a movie that's twenty years old this week, apparently. I guess. Yeah, I don't know if it is this week, but I just feel like there's been so many articles this week about Fargo's twenty years old. Oh, um, I've not seen those articles, but yeah, no. twenty years old—that's crazy. Um, yeah, so yeah, and that's a great. That's. I don't think I had ever looked at it that way. That like, yes, that meeting is important. That's what starts everything off. But when you look at it, it's like, yes, it starts everything off. And how does that end? Two, right. One of the guys at that table dies. The other gets both. The other two get arrested. William H. Macy's wife dies. Uh-huh. His father-in-law dies. So, lots of spoilers here, everybody. Yeah. Um, but and it's it literally, and that is, that is the moment. Anytime before that, he could have been like, okay, sorry, this is a bad call. I'm not doing this. And from yeah. then on. Because that's the thing you like. You describe it as this, it's where everything starts, but it's only where everything starts for us, right? For Jerry, this has been something that he's been planning, yeah, um, and working out the details um, to very yeah. various degrees of success. success yeah. And he's been in trouble for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this isn't the start for him. Yeah, that's true. And maybe that's the thing is, 
there's a reason that the that this is the beginning for us not seeing him recognize the necessity in his view for these actions. He's already started these actions, and now we're coming in right here when it's too late to stop them, um, which I find uh, fascinating. Um, so, okay, uh, a few others, not a few others, several others that I'll throw out there. Um, I'm going to throw out some that are just not so much confusing, but it just, again, like Fargo, which, again, when you when you puzzle through these, I think you can you can sort of figure out why they're so important. Um, but then there's stuff like Dr. Strangelove or how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. Mm-hmm. Now, oddly enough, the second part of the title seems more appropriate than the first. Yeah. If you're going to name it after any character, I mean, I guess he's a very notable character, but why would you name that after that character? Yeah. He's, he doesn't show up for a while, and when he does, he doesn't play that big of a role. Yeah, that's true. Isn't that strange? Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Like, you could have called it Peace on Earth, Purity of Essence. You could have called it Bodily Fluids. Like, there are any <laughs> number of options. Um, it's just such we'll an meet odd... Again. We'll meet again. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's it'd be weird to call it Bodily Fluids. That's odd. Um, but just there, there are so many things that you could latch on to. You know, the war room, you could call it the war room, you know, um, there are so many things you could have latched onto, but they go with this, albeit strange and ridiculous character, a very notable one, but how it's now he's the notable one and he's, it's, it, 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 it like hurts my brain when I try to think why they chose that this is it's a fun name it's a goofy name yeah you know i find myself wondering like did they come up with a title and then named the character or what's the deal um i don't know so that's one yeah. that that jumps out at me um do you ever uh so a couple things okay that have been just bookmarked so we're gonna jump all over the place we were talking about worst movie titles ever the I said Diary of a Teenage Girl, but I, the first one I thought of that I didn't get a chance to get out is what I literally think is maybe the worst movie title ever to the point where it's, it goes around the bend to where it's funny to me that it's okay. so bad. Um, I, never, I never saw it. It came out about the same time while we lived together. Okay. It's called Ballistic X versus Sever. <laughs> and apparently the film is worse than the title. Really? Yeah, I've heard it's absolutely uh, horrible. Maybe we should watch it. It is. It's so funny to me that that movie is called that. Like... Because it's if it's going to be, like, it clearly went through levels of. Oh yeah, it's it's like it has that feel of being like something that you. It's so awkward that it's like you put a sentence through Google Translate and then translate <laughs> it back. You know, like it's like that. Yeah. It can't be what they sent out. To, they didn't mean to call it ballistic X versus sever. Like something either got added or cut off or. Uh, this is clear. Like, was there supposed to be a series of ballistic movies? And this is just, hey, whoever wins, and, we lose. Yeah. You know. But it is that, like with Aliens versus Predator, we already know who they are. Like, yeah. we don't know who X or Sever is. Yeah. This is not Batman versus Superman yeah. or Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. It does feel like a lot of misguided studio execs just being like, we're going to call it ballistic. It's like, well, what does that say? <laughs> you know, how do we peop- how do we know that it's these two people against each other? Well, I guess, okay, well, what are the characters' names? Well, there's this guy X. And there's woman sever or vice versa. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't I, know. I, I weirdly in my mind, I assumed it was the other way around, okay. but I don't, I have, I don't ba- base on anything, yeah. I, but I just assumed she was X and he was sever. Interesting. But it could be the other way around. I have no idea. And, 
and yeah, just like, well, we got these two characters. Well, let's just call it X versus seven. It's like, well, we don't know these people. So, uh, fellas, let's just put these together and yeah. that'll solve everything. Yeah. Um, um, you know, but what you, I wanted you to call say, it Hitman fight. I'd see that every day of the week. Um, I wanted to bring up a title that I love actually, because it seems like it's a sort of, um, what's what I'm looking for? Uh, uh, uh obscure, sort of, um, abstracted title. And it's very beautiful. And you watch the movie and it's like, oh, no, that was really literal. Mm-hmm. But it's still a beautiful title. And that's the movie Spring, Summer, Fall, Winter, Spring. Ah. Um, which is literally as like that sounds so great that it's like elliptical and it, the spring gets repeated. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and like that's it's a beautiful title. And you watch it and it's like, oh, it's a movie that takes place in five chapters. Yeah. Spring, Summer, Fall, Winter, and Spring. Although it's not as straightforward as that because there are years between yeah. those seasons um it's a great movie i think when i when we did our best of the decade back in late 2009 yeah. i think i named it one of the top 10 films of the of the decade i don't um, recall but uh that's a great one but yeah. you, did you think i was going to say something else i thought you were going to say your standard answer for the most beautiful movie title of all time which is the unbearable lightness of being have i said that you have said that in the past no oh, i've never seen that so maybe that's why like yeah Maybe you just like that. that I know. I do. Title. Love, I do love that title. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, because it's uh, there's something really crushing and depressing about that title when you think about it, and yet so glorious. It's it's just it's unbearable. I know, but it's because you you know my eyes my eyes have seen the glory of the lightness of being. Um, so uh, a few others that I want to throw. Okay, so. One of my favorite Simpsons jokes of all time is when um, Bart and Nelson and a number of other people sneak into a movie theater to see like a rated R movie. Uh-huh. Now, sorry, to see the rated R movie, that winds up being Bart and Fink. Uh, but then they, they go in to just see some random movie because I think they skipped school or something like that. Right. And then they walk out and they saw Naked Lunch. Yeah. And Nelson's like, I can think of two things wrong with that title. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah. and that's delightful. Um, yeah. So, uh, but there are, there are other, the, well, the other, my favorite Simpsons movie title joke is, uh, this is where Jaws comes out of the water when they get cable <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it's like a montage of Bart watching like uh, HBO or whatever. Yeah. This is where Jaws comes out of the water. This is where Die Hard jumps out of the building. Yeah. This is where Wall Street gets arrested. <laughs> <laughs> and then, well, now we're just talking about Simpsons, but there's the one with, with, I think Mel Gibson where studio executives are, are reading, uh, letters from Homer where he writes letters to movies themselves. <laughs> and it says, and he goes, dear, <laughs> dear diehard, you rock, especially when that guy was on the roof <laughs> and it says, PS, do you know Mad Max? <laughs> I think it's Mad Max, but anyway, okay, sorry, we can, we can uh, move on, but, um, so other titles I want to throw out. I didn't put these in any particular order. I apologize. Other titles that to me don't make a great deal of sense. Brazil. Speaking of place, but it's not really referencing the place. It's referen- referencing the song that plays throughout. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I, I just rewatched Brazil uh, like uh, several months ago and uh, I got nothing. There's a song that plays. It's called Brazil. The song, the, the film is called Brazil. And that is it. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I, I don't, don't get me wrong; it it's I love it, yeah. but it just it seems yeah, very no, Terry, I I, Terry Gilliam. I, I, yeah, I don't know what it means. Um, and then I uh, 
then there are titles that that just sound good and they sound intriguing. Um, Reservoir Dogs, I think, has always been a good title. Yeah. I'm trying to think exactly what it means, except when I think of a reservoir, I think of like an enclosed area. And if you put dogs together in an enclosed area, maybe they fight each other. Yeah, maybe. That's what I always came up with. But then I I've, I think I have watched or li- or read uh, interviews with Tarantino where he just says like, ah, it just seemed like a good title. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then uh, I do think the title, The Usual Suspects, is really, really good. First off, it's a nice reference to a line from Casablanca. Uh-huh. But then also... It just has a nice that especially paired with the the poster image of just these guys in a lineup and they're the usual suspects. These are the guys we call in every single time because it was probably one of them. It just it to me that is a very it's an evocative title and it's especially it seems very old Hollywood to me. Um, I don't know. What do you think of the, your your mention of it um, referencing uh, Casablanca made me think of movie titles that are reference other movie titles or that have become a thing. Okay. Like, okay, there's once upon, once upon a time in the West, and then there's once upon a time in China, and there's once upon a time in Mexico, yeah. and there's also a bunch of other ones that yeah, like, yeah. were, uh, you know, small. I mean, there's once upon a time in America. Yeah. Like, um, I kind of like that, but I also feel like unless it delivers on what that, because that now calls to mind a certain sort of like mix of like B movie, but also grandeur. Yeah. You know, that like, it's like, oh, this is a big, like B movie, essentially. If it doesn't follow through on that. Yeah. Which once upon a time in Mexico arguably does. It's a really, there are things I actually like about the movie and there's other parts where I could just fast forward if I were to watch it again. Uh, it's a really spotty movie. I do feel like, yeah, I see what you mean, but when you say once upon a time, there's a there's a grandeur to that. But then when you say in this place, you feel like not only is this going to be is there going to be a sweeping large scope quality to it, but you almost feel like this is going to be uh, an uh, an essential story to this place, and it might even be a commentary on this place, which I don't get from Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Yeah, I, I feel like it's just trying to to me this any any once upon a time in blank after the west mm-hmm. is not referencing the sort of fairy tale beginning of once upon a time it's referencing once upon a time in the west yeah that's what i feel like and so I, I feel like once upon a time in mexico does kind of deliver on that in the, that it's a sort of is a um schlocky like violent movie sure. that also has a certain amount of I guess I don't know if grandeur is the or, or sweep is the right word, but it's a complex movie. Yeah, you know, once upon a, like, and again, that's not true either. But it just it has a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of yeah. shit going on in Once Upon a Time in Mexico. I guess is what what yeah. I'm trying to say. And maybe when you realize that it's the third, it's the third uh, El Mariachi film, then it's like, all right, this is the this is the last one we're going to make. This is going to be the biggest one of the three. Right, it's so, our army of darkness. Yeah, yeah. So Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Here's this character where this is this is the end. It's so odd that when I think of that movie, maybe it's racist of me that I come away from it thinking of Johnny Depp first. Um, but I, he's I a very I notable character because he's like the most eccentric character, yeah. and so you get a lot of laughs. Plus, you get him like bleeding from the eyes at the end. It's a very, yeah. um, you know, uh, potent it's a, image. Yeah, it is. It also has uh, one of my favorite visual gags. It's one of my favorite visual gags of the movie is when he goes to the, is it the, the bullfight that he goes to? 
Uh, I don't recall. Well, he's wearing a T-shirt that says FBI. Yeah, it's huge. It, it doesn't say FBI. In the, like, Michael Keaton in Out of Sight, right, gets yeah. made fun of for the FBI T-shirt. Yeah. But this is, the letters are three times as big on Johnny Depp's shirt. <laughs> he wants everyone there to know that he's FBI. Yeah. Uh, and that's so funny to me. Um, so, okay. Um, let's see. Looking through here, uh, titles that I like. Well, hold on. I want to go back to okay. uh, Once Upon a Time in the West is actually... Now that's become such a thing mm-hmm. of naming these like genre, these B movies that, that it sort of obscures the fact that once upon a time in the West is a weird, silly, like odd title to take essentially the beginning of every fairy tale yeah, and apply it to this violent revisionist Western. Yes, absolutely. Like, um, that, that's a, that's, there's a sort of irony to that, that I think. Yeah. And now, now that's just what it's called. So we don't think about it. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what, I, what's interesting. And I, I want to bring that back to sort of the, uh, the power of a title. Once upon a time in the West is probably as I'm, I won't necessarily use the word epic, but with, with everything that that implies, but I will use it as far as like scale and mm-hmm. scope and that kind of thing. Um, running time and that's, and all that. Um, it, it's not necessarily bigger than the good, the bad and the ugly. Right. But with a title like that, it sure feels like it. Yeah. You know, it feels like you're watching a legend being being put out there, whereas Good and Bad and the Ugly seems like down and dirty. They're, I think they're about the same length. They have yeah. very similar uh, types of stories. Good and Bad and the Ugly, does it, it does seem big to me because I think I watched, the first time I watched Good and Bad and the Ugly, I watched, not all in one day, but within the space of like a week, I watched fistful of dollars for a few dollars more okay. than the good, the, bad, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so the good, the bad, and the ugly did seem like an epic to me because I just watched these two yeah. uh, much more, much leaner movies. Um, that I, for my own tastes, I honestly, I prefer fistful of dollars, but I know that's most people like good, the bad, and the ugly the most. It's, it's pretty amazing. I, I like fistful of dollars. I've never actually seen for a few dollars more. Yeah, I, I know I have, but I, um, the story escapes me. But um, just full of dollars is the same as like, what it's Miller's Crossing, it's Yojimbo, it's Red, yeah, it's uh, Red Harvest, Red Harvest, yeah. um, and that story will always work for me. So yeah, did you ever see Last Man Standing? Uh, no, it's kind of it's that sort of thing. That movie also twenty years old, ninety six, right? Is it? I think I, so. For some reason, I thought it was ninety five, which is to say, if I've ever, I this is the first I've thought about that movie in many many years. Music's really good, but the movie's not. Um, so. Okay, I want to look at at a few others um, that are just notable because sometimes a, a nice long title that's a bit cumbersome um, is the best possible thing. Like, obviously, one of the most evocative titles in the history of film, maybe in the top ten as far as titles go, is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a great one. You say that, and people are like, "What am I not going to see it? Am I not human?" Yeah. Yeah, you know? that's. I'm trying to think of an example of because there are movies that have very like on the one hand the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is so basic in that it's like yeah here's what the the, the title is exactly what you're gonna see yeah but for some reason there is still a poetry to that title yeah right yeah whereas there are other movies that I think aim for that like I think um, the Dark Knight Rises is kind of a dumb title okay because it just seems kind of brawny and dumb maybe i'm just conflating it with the fact that i think that movie is sure. uh thick and dense in a bad way and too big um but the texas chainsaw massacre is yep that's what it is but it's also kind of funny 
right? Yeah. If you don't know what, you know, if you haven't seen the movie, which is, which is horrifying, yeah. uh, but it's, um, it I think seems it's, like a parody. Yeah. Cause it's, and it is tapping into the audience's sort of bloodlust. Yeah. Like I'm going to go see the movie where all those people are going to get chainsawed up. Yeah. <laughs> and it's for some reason you could have just called it the chainsaw massacre. I'm still interested for some reason uh-huh. you bring Texas into it and it all just takes on this. I mean, definitely. I mean, the, the film itself feels very Texas in a lot of ways, but it doesn't have to take place in Texas. And even if it does, you don't have to. S- Why is that a selling point? But for some reason it is because Texas is big. It's hot. It's easy to get lost there. And, uh, and there's a lot of crazy people there, <laughs> uh, with, uh, chainsaws and, uh, <laughs> every single one of them. Uh, speaking of bad titles, I always hated saw as a title. I kind of, I think I appreciate the simplicity of it. I, I, but it's too, it's like, it's saw and that's what you did when you watched the movie. You saw the movie. Yeah. And so it seems weird. Like it's, it's too close. Like I see what you mean. Okay. Yes. Uh, cause there's, because it's a homonym, it's too, and it's too close to what the other word is. Hmm. Cause it's, because it's a movie and that's how you watch a movie. Yeah, I, mean, I guess that's true. You know, it, it never points for effort, but uh, it it does seem a little like because I guess when you just say the movie's name Saw, yeah, I don't know that you necessarily picture a saw, or if you it's picture the saw. word like the past tense verb saw. It's tough because the first time I saw it was the poster, right, and. I guess I just, and you know, based on the font and then the, the poster itself, I guess I just assumed like, well, that's what it has to be. Um, but at the same time, if you had just said, Hey, I'm going to go see a movie called saw Uh and gave no context. Right. Yeah. I'm not sure what I would think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're just bouncing all over the place, but this is fun. This is, this is what old school episodes were like. Um, here's one that I thought of. Because I was talking, I was thinking about it once upon a, once upon a time in the West, and how and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and how mm. there's kind of a jokiness to that. But because the movies are now classics, we kind of forget that the titles are a joke in mm. a way. And I was thinking about that, like when like when people now first watch RoboCop, yeah, and are surprised to find that it's a comedy. Yeah, it's like well, the movie's called RoboCop. Yeah, like, that's a, that's that's a jokey name. Yeah. Uh, the, all the hints were there, but because RoboCop is just like a part of the, the cultural fabric. Now you don't think of it as a joke. Yeah, you're absolutely, yeah. The the fact that it's the character's name, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like, yeah, that's, it's like the, the Simpsons joke, but they are like, let's just actually call the, like, it's like if John McClane's name were actually Die Hard. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, uh, name's John McClane, but they call me Die Hard. Um, (laughs) Yeah, where it's just, it's just, it's schlocky. Now, it's his name. His name is a schlocky name in that world. It's it's given to him by like coked up Jose for uh, sorry Miguel Ferrer. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, and RoboCop. Yeah, everything about it is is super schlocky, but it's just become such a part of the culture that we all just accept it. But it's silly. It's a silly name in a silly movie, and I say that in the best possible way. Um. Yes. Okay. I want to go back to, um, I want to know how you feel about this title. Okay. 
Here's I'm going to set it up. Okay. It's a title that I love. I especially loved it before I saw the movie. I saw the movie, which technically follows through on the title. Okay. But I feel like now I don't know if the title actually sums up the movie, and yet I still think it's a great title. Okay. This was also on my best movies of the decade list. Okay. There will be there will be blood. That is on my list. It's a great title. It is. Is it the right title for that movie? I feel like no. Because it's just I feel like it just don't get me wrong. Technically true. Um <laughs> Yeah. But uh But yeah, it is an it's an odd uh, the it's just one more thing about that film. I, I I believe I put that as number one of my top of the decade. Um it's just one more thing about that film where you almost get the impression that Paul Thomas Anderson's just like woke up one night and said, that's the title. Uh-huh. What, what choice do I have? You know? Uh, and yes, it is technically true, but I do wonder again, to go back to what we were talking about uh, before where a title can inform the way we watch the movie. When you start watching that movie, nothing about it. Why would, why is blood coming into this? This yeah. makes no sense at all. Now I'm not suggesting they go with oil, uh, which is the, you know, yeah. what it was based on. Um, but yeah, it does. It's not a bad title. It's a it's a great title. It's very evocative. Yeah. But what is it? Evo- is it evocative of the movie we're seeing? You know. Yeah, but then the movie's so great that I don't care, and I still love the title yeah. on its own. Yeah, and that's and that goes to kind of what what I was talking about is that the, after a while, it's just when I say Jaws, which is a great title, there's a book title first. Uh, when I say yeah. Jaws, you know, you're you're thinking of the whole movie because we've learned to associate the film itself with that word or that title. And we probably don't give much thought to the title because we've moved on in our, in our minds to the film itself. Yeah. Um, and it's so deconstructing these a little bit and talking about there will be blood is it's a great title in a vacuum. It's associated with a great movie in a vacuum, put these two things together and they're just two great things that have been put together. Do they fit together? Yeah. Aside from just the thing they have in common is they're both good. <laughs> um, and I mean, there is blood. Yes. Uh, but eventually now you remind me, uh, we're going to jump around again. When a movie has a great title, but it's the same title as the book. It's like, don't you feel like, well, I'm not going to give them credit for a great title. Because yeah. That's what the book was called. Yeah. Cause that's true of, uh, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward, Robert Ford. Yeah. That's the name of the book. It's a great title, but it's a great title of a book. The yeah. movie was lucky enough to. Well, and yeah, they're they're the uh, the thing you can commend them on is not changing it, uh, not shortening <laughs> it. They could have just called yeah. it the assassination of Jesse James, and that's that in itself is a pretty long title. But to go f- with the whole thing, yeah, and it's a, and it is a wonderful title, and I think they recognize. I think they, I think that film was made almost as way. It's like we need to live up to this title. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to, again, to go back to this idea of legend, like we need to show that Jesse's going to be a character, Robert's going to be a character, and we are leading up to this historic event. And like, when you look at that title, first off, there's an old time equality to it that I love, but then it's like, you've got the whole story in that title. And so we need to complement that title. We need to it's almost like the title gives you something to aspire to. Yeah. And if it's to me, that's one of the most, that might be my favorite Roger Deakins film. Okay. Um, I think that's maybe the most beautiful film he's ever shot. 
And I don't say that lightly. I think he's a, an astounding cinematographer, but yeah. I feel like that movie is particularly, he's doing some really special things in that. I'm going to withhold judgment because I need to think of more yeah. Roger Deakins movies. I mean, um, I love Man Who Wasn't There. I think he's doing great stuff there, but... Uh, um, all right. Uh, and then I also... I Sorry, I, I, I jumped into Assassination because you mentioned Jaws. I wanted to go back to There Will Be Blood, which is just like the director picking something that sounds right mm-hmm. or that he just decides that's the name of the movie. Yeah. Reminded me of the story of why Inland Empire is called Inland Empire. Okay. Because basically David Lynch, despite living in Los Angeles, you know, in Southern California, had never heard the term. And then mm-hmm. Laura Dern said it, and he was like, what's that? <laughs> and he just liked the way it sounded so much that he called his movie Inland Empire. Even though that's not what it's about. No, it isn't. That's about right, though. You know, <laughs> good for him. You know, um, shoot, what was I just, I was just thinking of, oh, okay, this is not on my list. Yeah, there's there's no rhyme or reason to this list. It's literally just whatever pops into our mind. Um, Apocalypse Now is a pretty amazing title, and and you know I'm not sure if they if they got the title first and then like had it you know splattered right. on walls and stuff. Um, but that's a pretty amazing that that's an epic title, and there's just something so poetic about it, and so. I mean, obviously the word apocalypse is in there. So you're just thinking t- in terms of like doomsday, but then, and they could have just called it apocalypse and yeah. it's like, all right, we got it. But apocalypse now it's, there's just this almost like as a, I always took it as instead of acknowledging that we're in the middle of the apocalypse, it's, Oh, I just want it to happen right now. I'm so tired of this bullshit. Huh. Like that's how I always took it. And, and I feel like that attitude fits with Kurtz. I don't know. What your thoughts? Because I think of it the former way that that it's like this is what's happening right now. Yeah, this is the apocalypse. Um, and I find um, I'm I'm so in love with the director's cut, uh, the Redux, mm-hmm. um, that I find that, that the the way that that movie meanders and shows you more things that are like with the the. French uh, plantation, the, the French plantation sequence or the um, revisiting the playboy bunnies later in the rain. There's like something that's like, this isn't as overtly hellish as some of the other stuff, right? but it's like this hellish malaise. You know what I mean? Well, it's, it's like, it's, it's like it's, it's ghostly giving, and mournful. Yeah. Know? It's giving you different versions of what apocalypse and the hell that follows yeah. is going to be. Yeah. Uh, the hell yeah. that follows would have been a pretty good title, actually. <laughs> um, oh yeah, that rent the. Um, there's a movie. Uh, why am I drawing? I want to say it's who is in this movie? Jack Palance. It's a movie about um, Germans. It's an American movie, but it's about Germans, but they don't use German accents. Mm. Uh, where it's a team of post World War II um, bomb experts whose job is to go around and defuse unexploded bombs that are still laying all around Berlin. And, that and sounds stuff. familiar. And the movie's called 10 Seconds to Hell. Oh, such a great title. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to say it's Jeff. Who directed that? I don't Well, I don't remember. There's a whole story about um, okay. how um, the studio took it away from him. Hmm. Um, and it kind of, you can kind of tell they recut it because there's like characters who just like disappear. Oh, yeah, it sucks. is Jack Palance who's in it. Um, it's directed by, oh, Robert Aldrich. Oh, okay. 
I like him. Classic. Um, so, okay, uh, I'm going to bounce around here quite okay, a bit. yeah, and then we can have an eye towards wrapping up. Yeah. This has so, been fun, though. Fun, uh, old-timey, early, early days Battleship yeah. Pretension throwback episode. Yeah, you know, meandering and pointless and yeah. who gives a shit. Yeah, but kind of fun. It's what got us uh, listeners. Absolutely. It's what got us movie, eventually. Eventually. Um, there will be movie. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, here's one of my favorite titles from one of my favorite movies and it is a mouthful, but I feel like what else could you call it? And that is planes, trains, and automobiles. Oh yeah. Like that has a, first off it has a nice, uh, it has a jaunty quality to it. It sounds like something out of a Dr. Seuss novel. Uh, sorry, book. Um, he didn't write novels to my knowledge. Oh, good God. <laughs> Can you imagine how exhausting that 450 would be? <laughs> pages of that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I love that one. I think that's really great. Um, and then, uh, let's see, looking here, I guess the rest of my, I guess the rest of my, uh, titles on here are ones that again, inform either just like in their own way, declare the theme though you don't realize it, or they inform the way we should go in and look at the film. Uh, to me, one of the most interesting developments in the world of film in the last 30 years has been the migration from the bicycle thief to bicycle thieves. Yeah. And that is not a small change when you look at the film. Yeah. You know, you say bicycle thief, if it's, if it's the bicycle thief, then it's like, all right, we're looking at uh, the main character as he chases the guy who stole his bicycle. Yeah. You change it to bicycle thieves and suddenly his action at the end which previously was seen as completely understandable. I mean, uh, something that it comes from a place of desperation, something we wouldn't want to do, but we understand it. You call it bicycle thieves and suddenly it's like, yeah, I guess he's a thief too, which then immediately makes you realize, well, maybe the first guy who stole it was also on hard times. You know, it just, it's a, it's a title that I'm, I'm, it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. It's a, it's a great one. Um, and then uh, let's see. I love Twelve Angry Men" as a title because not a, not all of them are angry. <laughs> yeah, but it just but by calling it Twelve Angry Men," you just you read into everything. You know, even like poor little John Fiedler, you know, the voice of Piglet, yeah, um, who gets just swallowed up by these bloviating guys next to him. You know, at one point, like he doesn't, he never raises his voice, but it's called 12 Angry Twelve Angry Men." And he's not the 13th man, so he must be angry. Like, it's just, it just causes me to rethink every character and every performance. Um, hmm. And then let's see. Grand Illusion okay. is a, is a wonder. Have you seen it? I've never seen it. It's no. a wonderful film. And uh, the illusion of the film, it's, you know, you watch that movie and then you think of the title and you realize, oh, okay, I get, I get what they're referring to as far as what the illusion is and the illusion of, of, of a separation between classes, between countries, the idea it's like, yeah. Oh, well this person is so much more different than I am. And as it turns out, no, it's, we're all basically the same. I really need to see that movie because I can't hear that title without thinking of the sticks song, the grand illusion, because that's the only, because I haven't seen the movie. I think of, they wrote that song after seeing the film. It could, that could that could be true i don't know the song uh so i don't know if that's true or not um being john malkovich is a title that yeah. it's it's the truest thing you know yeah um, i'm gonna I, I i'm gonna be on the other side of the fence okay that. i i the titles that are blanking blank 
I'm not a fan. I, I agree with you unless you are being John Malkovich. Like they have the name of the actor in the title. I feel like that's a li- that's a little bit different. But couldn't you say they really are feeling Minnesota? Ugh. <laughs> I never Ugh. saw that one. Hang on. Let me think of feeling Minnesota. That's with Keanu Reeves right. and Vincent D'Onofrio, correct? I don't remember because I never saw it. I want to say Courtney Love has a small part in it. She might. I don't remember. I seem to, I think I might've actually seen that movie many, many years ago. And I seem to recall thinking it was okay, but obviously it didn't stick with me. Um, but, uh, no, I, I'm okay with being John Malkovich and it's, that's the only title like that that's in here precisely because if you say, I mean, we, we saw that movie together, correct? Yeah. Um, with other people, with other people, big group of us. And if someone, and someone says like, I think when I first heard that there was a movie called being John Malkovich, my first, I was like, what? No, there isn't. Is it, is it like a documentary? Uh, and then you go see this crazy ass movie. Like what a wonderful, it seemed somehow wrong with a title like that. It seemed wrong that this film would be nominated for Oscars, but it was nominated for director and screenplay and, and supporting actors. Yeah. Um, that like being John Malkovich, that's a joke. That's a joke title connected to an amazing film. It's that, that one just fascinates me. So I feel like that one is out because of, because of the last part, the thing that the person is being, uh, I feel like that one is outside of, of your, your rule, which I would say I mostly agree with. But then another title that I don't like, Charlie Kaufman movie, Synecdoche, New York. Well, that one's just like trying to screw with you. Yeah. Cause no, it's a snobby joke. It's like, Oh, what? You didn't get it. Oh, <laughs> that's what it's like, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because I synecdoche, like, well, I don't think I know what that is. Like, I don't. I knew what it I was. know that it is a thing, and it is not a place. I feel like it's uh, a like a representation of like something that's supposed to represent something else. Oh, okay. Well, that would that would certainly make I, sense. I, I for know the I film. looked it up when the movie came yeah. out, but I don't remember now. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, I'm not, su- I'm not super thrilled with that title. And, uh, and I have not seen Anomalisa, um, but I feel like that's another one that feels like it's just him saying like, yeah, is it Anomalisa or Anomalisa? I don't know. What do you think? Um, uh, key, a figure of speech in which a part is made to represent the whole or vice versa. Okay. Well, it definitely works for the film, but that doesn't mean it needs to be titled that. So it's like, okay, so the example here is using the word Cleveland to refer to the Cleveland Indians baseball team, but saying okay. like Cleveland won the game. Oh, okay. Be a I see. Key because it's part of it representing whole of it. I see. The way around. Um, so titles themselves are that if you want to look at it a certain I way, I guess so. I don't know. So I'm not going to put too much thought into it. Um, owning Mahoney, owning Mahoney. That's, that's that I right. I don't like. Yeah. And there's no reason that it needs to be called that. Um, so, okay. Uh, another, uh, another movie that I think another title that works really well for what we're talking about as far as it gets you to read in this case, you go into it and immediately you're trying to think of, well, what does this title mean in the context of the story? And that's the third man mm-hmm. where you don't know what the third man means until it is revealed that, Oh, there's a, when someone says mm, there was a third man, if yeah, the title, pay attention. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like if the movie wasn't called that, then you just be like, Oh, all right. But because it's called the third man, it's like, that's it. That's what I need to be focusing on. Yeah. That's, that is the crux of the story is who's the third man. Then when you discover who the third man is, it's actually even more 
exciting than you thought. Um, let's see a few others. Here's one. I just, I just reviewed this movie for the site, which is eye in the sky, which is technically true in the film. I do not like that title because it rhymes. Rhyming titles don't bother me. I think um, they bother me. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but well, people try to avoid them by and large. Um, but yeah. uh, I in the sky, like when I say, I mean, you already know what I in the sky is because I've I've described it and you've probably looked into it. But you know, if I say, oh, there's a movie called I in the sky, I feel like it'd be like a rom com about like a news organization where he's like a pilot or something like that. Nothing about it seems like this hard hitting war film. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a little too, I don't know, cutesy. It does seem cutesy. It yeah. seems almost but clever. That's, I mean, we're talking about movie titles we like, but we're going to talk about titles we don't like. Sure. That anything that is a little cloyingly like cute and or clever, like say me and Earl and the dying girl, <laughs> it just drives me up the wall. I can't stand that title. It's it. That's one where, Again, I'm not opposed to a, a title being a person's name or anything like that, but you just sort of feel like, all right, so is the girl dying so that it can rhyme with Earl or is his name Earl so it can rhyme with dying girl? <laughs> like how much are you, yeah. did you go with the, uh, did you start with the, as you say, the cloying title and move on from there? Yeah. I have not seen the film. Um, so maybe it's amazing, but you yeah. did not, you did not care for it. Yeah. That reminds me of, um, I know you're not a big friends fan and I'm on the fence. Right. Uh, but one of my favorite friends jokes of all time is when Joey gets cast on a show where he's a cop with a robot partner. Okay. And his name, his character's name is Mac. The show is called Mac and cheese. Cause it stands for like computerized humanoid, something, something. And Joey goes, and they really lucked out that that's spelled cheese. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a pretty good joke. Yeah. Um, let me talk about friends. Okay. And we'll move on. All right. Cause I was thinking about it cause I find that increasingly I am in the minority not loving Friends. I've come around a little bit, but people our age, I think, really think of Friends very fondly. I don't I don't care for it that much. But I, what I do love, that I, you also don't care for very much, I mean, this is uh, just not you, is How I Met Your Mother. Okay. And I wonder if it's... I feel like the Friends the characters always seem to continue to seem kind of boring to me. Mm-hmm. And they didn't seem like growing up. They didn't seem like someone who wanted to go live in a big city. They didn't seem like who I wanted to be. Like they're supposed to be in their twenties, but they always seemed middle-aged to me and kind of still do now. Like yeah. they're boring people. Whereas the, how I met your mother characters actually seem like people in their late twenties, early thirties. And they are transplants to New York. You know what I mean? From, mm-hmm. from the Midwest, most of them, not all of them. Um, uh, and they actually like, I relate to them and I don't know, maybe that's just a generational thing. If I were, if I were the friend's age in 95 or whatever, and yeah. the run, maybe I would have related to them more, but they just seem like old boring people to me. Well, it could be that the novelty of friends is that, you know, these people aren't married. They would go on to, many of them would go on to get married. Um, they're not married. They're just single people sitting around and talking. It's kind of the same thing as Seinfeld. It's like, except there's not really any absurdity to it. Um, And so it was very much that 90s thing of like humor can come from just people hanging around and just basic relationships. And so it's almost like the novelty of that was enough to sustain the show and its viewership. 
and at least at first, and then you get invested in the characters themselves. Whereas something like um, How I Met Your Mother, that has, even the title itself is something of a, I'm sorry to use the term gimmick, mm-hmm. but um, it's also a show with characters that are, that are, again, this is based on the finale that I saw, um, which is probably not the best place to start. Yeah, even people who are fans of the show don't like that. <laughs> exactly. But uh, this is based on what you have told me about the cleverness of the show and that it is, it's not necessarily that it's self-aware, but the characters have a self-awareness that I think fits more with the current era than, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, than like, the yeah, 90s. Just generational. Yeah. I was thinking How I Met Your Mother feels like it it doesn't take place in New York because New York is just a default place to set a show. Like New York is to credit the line from, uh, they came together. New York is almost like another character. Um, I hate that, but New York is part of the, the feeling. Whereas friends would friends have been a different show if it took place in, I don't know, St. Louis. Like how much is New York? I, I guess other than Joey being an actor, like I guess, and it has like the soap opera thing and those shoot, uh, a lot of those shot in New York. It doesn't feel like a New York show to me. I, you know what I can actually, I, and I'm not necessarily a defender of friends, but it does feel like a New York show to me because there's this feeling of all these people are there alone. Their family mostly doesn't live there. They might, they might be from like outside of New York, like right. not, not, you know, transplants from like states away, but it is a destination. And a lot of young people go there for any number of reasons, if for no other reason than to just like, I need to experience New York. And when you think of what friends is, it's, I mean, even in the song, it's, you know, I'll be, I'll be there for you. We're, we're going to have to be there for each other here in New York because it's a, it's a difficult city and it's a hard city to be alone in. And so we need to sort of have our little makeshift family here. And I feel like that vibe, it's the, it's the, it's a big city vibe and one that I think is probably unique to New York, unique New York. All right. I know I need it. We have gone um, so far afield. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to, I have one more. Okay. Saving the best for last. Absolutely. And how is the duck? That's the one. What's that duck about? (laughs) Um, this is a, a title that is very simple, and once and then once you see the film is loaded with meaning. M. Oh yeah, like that's one that. I mean, who? who I'm going to see it's this movie. It's the letter M. Yeah. Well, there's also Does the it sound Z. Good? Z. Yeah. Yeah. Which I have not seen. Oh, it's so great. Yeah. It's so great. But yeah, it's and but when you see the role that that M plays. In yeah. the film. I mean, it's so potent and it's just, and, and it just, it adds power. Like the, the, uh, the simplicity of M as a title, there is a, a certain power to that. But then when you realize what that M stands for and that it's just this thing that this guy has been labeled with, understandably so, um, I don't know. Suddenly to me, that M is like five stories tall now. I don't know why. I just, that's how I picture it. It's just this almost, I was going to say M for monolithic, which led me to 2001, a space odyssey, which mm-hmm. is a very interesting title in and of itself. Um, yeah, it feels like an odd promise, like a space odyssey, you know? Yeah. Um, I do like long titles. 
And I like short titles like M, but yeah. I'm always intrigued by long titles like The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, Dad, poor Dad, Mama's hung you in the closet and I'm feeling so sad. Stuff like yeah, that. That's a good one. Um, and of course, the title that I've referenced, uh, of a movie I've never seen, but I've referenced this title many times, uh, one of Crispin Glover's films, It Is Fine, Everything Is Fine. <laughs> And I guess if you want to get into like schlocky horror, you know, if Kyle oh, yeah. and if Kyle Anderson was here, he'd be able to, all day long. you know, cause then you have like, uh, there's this horror movie about snakes. It's called S- yeah. like, yeah. that's delightful. Um, yes. Um, but anyway, so Santa and, Claus conquers the Martians, right? Yeah. And does he conquer them? Really? I, I haven't seen it. I have it at home. I've never seen it. I mean, I've seen it like as a function of like mystery science theater and okay. that kind of thing. But, um, yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm, as I'm glancing at my wall uh, here, you know, it's, I will, let me, let me suggest this. Speaking of simplicity and maybe overly simplified, to tack on an S, like from alien to aliens. Was that the first one to do it? I don't know if it's the first one. It's the, it's the first one I can think of that like happened in my lifetime that I was aware of. And then it's happened with Predators. Predators. There's another one, right? Probably, yes. Well, there's anacondas. No? <laughs> Hunt for the blood orchid or whatever. Oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, and so, but I want to go with Alien and Aliens um, because that one did it for reals. You know, I th- when you say predators, like that, the first that one did was it for real. The second one did it for real. Whoa, well done. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, you I, can find we, yeah we should, I feel like we should end on that. But like, does that seem, in a way, it almost just seems so easy to just go from alien to aliens and where it's just like, yeah, there's uh well, there's more than one now, you know, it but just, that, see that I like, like that's very intriguing. Like, yeah. you know, I, it's also kind of honest. Like sequels always go bigger. Yeah. It's also kind of honest. Like, Hey, this is what you get. Yeah. You like the one alien. How are you, you know, you're going to like uh 60 of them. <laughs> and maybe aliens are there in aliens. Well, let's see here. I don't remember exactly how many colonists there are, but there's basically an alien for every colonist. Um, so I'd say in the area of like 70 or a hundred, okay. maybe more, maybe more. But, um, I will say this, there is a, you know, it's, it's evocative where it's like, Hey, do you remember how much damage one alien could do? There is now more than one. And chances are, we're not going to call it aliens because there's two. Uh, there will probably be many more. And so, there is a, an element of like, oh, geez, are you kidding me? Like this, this was already exhausting. Uh, and I would say aliens again, it's a, it winds up being, winds up being a different genre of film, but it's definitely more exhausting. This um, should be when people do their jokey sequel thing and everyone does electric boogaloo, which is so tired. We're done point. with that. Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's put it to bed. This should be what they do. It's just add an S right. All right. Capotes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would be a good one. Okay. With Major Wall, uh, one-hour photos. <laughs> well, hang on now. <laughs> Pan's Labyrinths. <laughs> yeah, he's got more now. The Firms. <laughs> oh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is a great title. It is a great title. I like that one. That's that, a Charlie oh, Coffin Okay, title. we're going to end on this uh, okay. story. I still want to reach over and smack this high school kid who sold me a ticket to Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind at the uh, AMC River East okay. in Chicago. Um, cause I walked it, walked, you know, I appreciate long, the, yeah, it's a long lobby. You've been there. Yeah. Um, we saw land of the dead there the night before you got married. Yeah. Um, 
So I walked up, uh, middle of the day, matinee, I'm there alone. Um, I was very popular and had a lot of fun in college. Um, and I said, uh, one for eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. And he said, what? And I said, uh, oh, eternal, like it's on the wall behind it. Like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. He's like, you mean eternal? Like to him, it's just what's on the marquee. Or like they, I guess, uh, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, the employees, because they have to say it a lot. Yeah. They've just been saying eternal into him. This is all the movie's called now. And the fact that I'm calling it by its actual name is like annoying him (laughs) to where he's pretending that he doesn't know it's the movie. Or maybe he had just literally all his coworkers have been calling it eternal for that reason. And he never turned around and looked at what the actual title of the movie is entirely possible. And so he just thinks it's eternal and he's somehow annoyed with me. Yeah. And I'm annoyed with him because like, I know that working behind the, at the ticket counter at the video store, video store, uh, movie theater isn't like a career, but I feel like you work with movies. You should know what movies are out. Yeah. I feel like people ask you about the movies. Yeah. You should be able to give them a few sentences on each or not even ask. It's, hey, I would like to buy a ticket to one of the movies showing. Yeah. Your job is to sell me a ticket to that movie. Yeah. Not question me and uh, get mad at me. Yeah, I still want to grab him by his AMC polo shirt. Here's like, the w- You are bad at your job. <laughs> Here's the one that gets Have me. Some, I know you're a teenager, but th- I know this isn't important to you, but learn some life skills here. This is a teachable moment. I'm going to teach you <laughs> about this by grabbing you and smacking you back and forth a couple times. Oh, okay. I was going to say like you put them over your knee and just no, uh, no. swat them on the butt. Um, yeah, I think I've told this story before. Uh, for the 50th anniversary, I believe, of Sunset Boulevard. We saw that together too. What? We did. In Springfield? You saw that with me? You and another one of your friends that Jake. I met that time and only that time. Okay. All right. I knew I went with Jake and somebody else. I didn't know it was you. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember what happened with the, no, that with I don't the remember. Uh, person behind the counter? Um, so I said, uh, you know, once or one for Sunset Boulevard. And I knew, look, I knew it's not going to be super popular. Uh huh. But then this kid, this punk kid. Yes, I recognize we're probably the same age, but he just like got this super smug look on his face. He's like, you know, we've only sold 11 tickets to that. Right. And just as though, like, so I'm some kind of loser. Cause I want to see this movie that nobody else wants to see. Yeah. That makes I don't know. Cool. It makes <laughs> sure. Uh, but it's just like, what, why are you, why are you shaming me for the, seeing this movie? I'm sorry that not a lot of other people want to see. What do you care? Yeah. On top of everything else. Yeah. I don't know. It just, so you think he is Enid in ghost world. Exactly. When she works at the movie theater, <laughs> I haven't seen the movie in a long time. That's a good movie. It is a good movie. Um, uh, yeah, so that's that. Yeah, that bothers me so much. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm trying to think of any. Uh, you know, well, my other story that I like to tell people when I worked at the ArcLight in the movie, the namesake mm-hmm. directed by Mira Nair was out more than once. Yeah. Someone, I wasn't working the ticket counter at this time, but I heard stories more than once. Someone came and asked for tickets to Namasake. <laughs> And, you know, I get it. The, uh, you know, I sympathize with them. They're trying to be well-meaning. Trying yeah. to be cu- they're trying to be culturally uh-huh. uh, aware that it's like, well, this is, you know, from another culture. And maybe it's, pr- to me, it looks like namesake. Or maybe it doesn't even occur to them. I don't know. And they just don't want to come off as like an ugly American. I get it. Yeah. And yet, here we are yeah. saying one for Namisake. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, all right. That's a good place to end. You can find us at battleshippretension.com. You can uh, email us at david at battleshippretension.com or tyler at battleshippretension.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Pretension. You can follow Tyler on Twitter at Tyler Pretension. Uh, what's going on at your other podcasts? Well, we talked, uh, Jen and I talked about uh, this episode of Survivor, and it was a crazy ass episode. So uh, check that out. And then at More Than One Lesson, uh, available right now is uh, a mini-sode about Spotlight uh, as a Best Picture winner. Mm-hmm. We did a full episode about it a couple months ago, but now we're talking about it in reference to the other nominees and just in the film uh, of the, the larger movie year. Uh, next week, my friend Robert will be on and we'll be talking about Hail Caesar uh, with the companion film Sullivan's Travels. So I'm very excited about that. Okay, um, my other podcast is about TV. It's called Hey, Watch This with Paul and David. This week we're talking about Broad City and Damien, because Paul hates me. Uh, <laughs> check that out. You can find it at battleshipretention.com. Uh, so thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.